Welcome to Blink of an Eye, life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down, and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Episode 29, Mediation for the Mediator. As we are listening in together from around the United States and outside the United States, and as we grow in listenership, let us do something kind for someone suffering a crisis right now. You know from the last episode that in the first week after the traumatic event of Archer's injury, my husband Billy and I were in a bad way. It started to be very apparent around decision-making. You might look at your life or the lives of those you love or those whom you serve through your work and consider the impact of a traumatic event and how we might ease some of the struggle in our lives or theirs. You're going to hear from Rachel Wall in this episode. Shout out to Rachel, who was our mediator. I don't know if any of you have ever worked with a mediator before or ever experienced a mediation process before. I am a mediator by profession. People typically think of using a mediator if they have a legal dispute and are hoping to settle or avoid court. So a mediator can be called upon for a lot of things because just about every complex conflict has legal implications, right? There are mediators called transformative mediators. They don't just get things settled. They facilitate dialogue for better understanding and higher quality negotiation for problem solving on complex issues that are not always legal disputes. Well, I found myself eating a piece of humble pie when Billy suggested he and I work with a transformative mediator. What that looked like? <laughs> well, see what you think. And if you find yourself in an unfolding crisis, maybe you will get some ideas for yourself. So sit back, get comfortable, take in a breath and settle your spirit. And please say a prayer for us as Billy and I make our decisions in life, big and small. And one for yourself, too, if you have heavy things on your mind and heart today as well. Here we go. August 10th, day six. Life changes in the blink of an eye. I found these notes on my phone for days six and seven. I will read them to you 
exactly as I wrote them. 8, 10, 15, day 6. It's in the alone time that God allows my heart to shatter. And then, when I'm with Archer and with others, that he helps me pick up the broken pieces. Archer had visitors whom we will always welcome, although it's only two in the room at a time. He has been buoyed by the poster his McDonough School Advisory Group put together, which was hand-delivered by Chris McDonald, who told Archer he had gathered all the kids at his house to make it. That's amazing, isn't it? The girls and boys, now young women and men, really, rising juniors in high school. A school cohort coming together in the summer. That was the afternoon. And they listened to music together, which Archer likes very much. He made many awesome playlists. The one he requested on day one was let my feet feel the beat and do the walking. He doesn't listen or request as often, though, because there is now so much medical activity constantly going on. It's not really good days or bad days, but a series of both. I had to fire one nurse from Team Semft because he wasn't a believer. I dabbed Archer with holy water and prayed the Our Father. 8-11-15, Day 7, Tuesday. Yesterday had beautiful moments, which I will send later, but we are tired. Heaven joins our sorrow and cries today, as the rain is steady and seems unceasing here in Cape May, as I lie in bed trying to rest this early morning for a meeting Billy and I have arranged with a mediator to assist us later today with our dialogue for the many decisions we need to make now in the one-day-at-a-time world, plus the strategic planning sequenced world, both of which we are good at, but both of which seem elusive at this moment. Our new medical information is incredibly sobering. I noticed Archer's bright light dim a bit yesterday after his three bestest Rat Pack buddies visited. And during a four-hour drive because of construction, both ways here and back to Baltimore. Bless them. Bless you all. I noticed it flicker when Mary Jo Detterman, like his other friends' moms whom he loves so much, left him yesterday with a hug 
as she quietly sobbed. Those familiar tears I know so well. I think I saw tears in the corners of Archer's closed eyes. He was more pensive the rest of the day. As I write you, I realize I need to write down the day of the week as I'm losing track, honestly. So much happens in a day and night with archers being repositioned every hour, which takes three medical staff to lift his long, strong, now heavy and floppy body to prevent bed sores. Being percussed every two hours, which means a machine shakes his bed for 20 minutes to stimulate air into the sacs of his lungs. Being assessed by nurses two times daily for anything he may be able to feel. Morning physical therapy to show me exercises I can do with him and that he can do, like shrugging his shoulders. Twice daily x-rays wheeled in on another big machine, which brings the number of machines and monitors on Archer to 14 to follow any healing movement in his lungs. His regular requesting his right ear to be cleaned from the drainage related to his years of annual long surgeries at Johns Hopkins for the cholesteatoma, which rendered him deaf in one ear and just white noise hearing in the other for 10 years. Yes, Archer is a warrior, and we experienced miracles then after many years, being restored to 70% hearing at age 12, thanks to titanium implants. But he has daily drainage now that I need to care for too, because the trauma team won't touch it. Having the drip bags replaced and my having to be there to ask the nurse to show me the label to make sure it's the right stuff. Having the long sides left and right of his bed alternatingly elevated up and down to also prevent bed sores and to promote air movement into his lungs. I never realized how much each of us shifts our body ever so slightly, constantly, even when sitting or at rest, which prevents sores. Making sure the regular nurses use two pillows under each arm, not just one, every time they change him to alleviate via gravity, more edema to his hands. It was a tip from a physical therapist when I asked. Making sure Archer has rolled washcloths in each hand to prevent his fingers from curling under and stiffening. Another tip from an occupational therapist. But the nurses forget this because it's not their focus. Alternating two sets of boots every four hours 
so his feet will have flexibility for when he walks. But I have to do this on instruction from the physical therapist because the nurses will not. Moisturizing his arms and legs, dabbing his face with cool water, keeping Vaseline on his lips, making sure the washcloths I place on his forehead are iced as he likes it that way. Around the clock suctioning of his mouth and suctioning of anything he might have been able to cough up after they force air in a tube to stimulate a gag, hoping to bring up the plasma junk from the remaining bacteria from the ocean water that continues to grow in the perfectly dark, wet lung environment that caused the pneumonia and the residual he's still fighting. My note continues. So, we are learning two other stark realities. Archer may not have enough diaphragm ability to ever breathe on his own. It's not as we see it, but a reality for a period of time, which may be his lifetime, but maybe not as we see it. That piece of information yesterday took my breath away. Then later in the day, there was discussion about a tracheotomy. And the starkness of that in my thinking about it afterwards, dear God, Archer's injury is not just paralysis from the top of the chest above the nipple line bilaterally across his arms on down regarding movement. It's now taking his voice too. Oh my God, God, please help us. Please. Help him in order to breathe and talk on his own. He will need to be able to cough. Pray that Archer's diaphragm gets strong enough for him to cough. Cherish each time you clear your throat. Oh, good Lord, please hear the prayers of your faithful for miracles in your time and for acceptance in ours. Please pray for Billy and me that we will make good decisions as best we can. There is much to learn, to understand, and to discern. We will have a day of no visitors seems appropriate on day seven. The pages of text messages show I sent that note to only a few. I did find more notes on my phone notepad though that read private notes. I hadn't sent them to anyone. They are as follows. 
11.15 Day 7 Private Notes Day of Rest We seek shelter via mediation. She pulled up to the house and walked in. I remember and told myself I will never forget the earnestness on my friend's face. Rachel and I met when she was a lawyer for women's rights on the State Commission for Women and came to one of my mediation trainings <laughs> over 20 years ago. I recalled her bold statement that she had it all wrong with her litigation adversarial approach and that she was turned on at our training to what was possible through dialogue, taking an alternative route. She then went on to talk our chief judge into starting a commission for mediation. She and I became fast friends. She rose to being a chief administrator, championing mediation with the rest of us. I knew she was in Cape May. It was incredible because she and her husband, Jan, were on their third summer renting a spot not far from ours once we wooed them to our happy place to see how wonderful it was. They returned and have returned the same couple weeks in August. I knew she was close by. We had made plans, as always, to spend time together, sipping sangria and cooking good food. I texted her. Rachel, I need your help. It's a big ask. Billy and I need a mediator. Will you be our mediator? She texted back. Yes. As part of the look back, I had the honor of interviewing my dear friend, Rachel Wall, five years after she courageously agreed to serve as our mediator. I had thanked her profusely over the years in a general kind of way when we would see each other and talk about the Archer situation from time to time as our family was still metabolizing the loss and change. But our interview was the first time we talked about the actual mediation. Our friendship's kind of like, you know, we, we tend to go deep with just about everything you and I. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that, Rach. Me um, too. Thank you for that, that friendship. And it was Billy, where Billy said, do you think we need a mediator? He and I were starting to really go sideways with each other. And he said, Rachel Wall, question mark. I remember, I, I remember feeling in my heart, yes, I'll ask Rachel. I needed somebody who was going to know us because it was so highly confidential. You know, the, the leader of mediation needs a mediator. And that's when I realized, that's when I really became 
the leader I wanted to be in, in the mediation field because I needed a mediator. I've wondered what it was like for you when I texted you, uh, will you be our mediator? I want to I ask you what that was like. Heart was already breaking for you when you asked me if I would be a mediator for you. And um, I was deeply touched um, that you would ask me because you not only were, you know, a leader, but, you know, a national leader as a mediator and a trainer and the most gifted mediator I knew. And so that you would ask me, you know, uh, to mediate for you, I was just um, touched and terrified. I mean, really terrified. And I knew and I could feel it without even talking to you first, I could just feel how traumatized you were and how traumatized Billy was. I, um, I remember saying, Rachel, I think it's the trauma. And you gave back and saying, may I talk with people? I'm like, yes. I called several people who I know had a depth of knowledge about trauma. And um, the major thing they told me was that when people are really traumatized, their, um, their prefrontal cortex, where you do your executive level thinking, is not functioning well, the blood is all taken up by the fight, flight, freeze, um, you know, trauma of the moment. And so while people in trauma think they can think clearly, they really can't think clearly. And so the advice that I got was, they'll wanna go off into making future plans, don't let them, you know, try to keep them focused on what has to happen now and, and what has to happen tomorrow and the next day. Don't let them go off into planning for the future because they, they're just not going to be rational enough to do that with any clarity. Plus, the situation was so precarious, you know, we thought Archer might die at any moment. Um, that making future plans, I mean, we didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, we didn't have anything to base future plans on. Um, so that's the, the base that I started. It was the right base, for sure. But it's crazy where my head was as Rachel told this to us. All I could think of was what we needed for a successful mediation, the tools of the trade. Large sheets of newsprint paper and markers. It's true. It was like the queen was coming for dinner to talk about world peace. And all I could focus on was making sure the table was set properly. I had so many lists on my mind trying to keep things orderly. One was for the hospital decisions and Archer. One was for family decisions. One was for bills and money. 
I also had a list in my head for Louise and Billy and another labeled what we need for mediation. All compartmentalized and covering so much territory. For our mediation to be successful, I knew we did need the mediator's tools, something to ride on that Billy and I could both see. Our house was hardly equipped. We didn't have a room with a big whiteboard. I didn't bring any markers with me on vacation. And my personal notes were all electronic on my tiny phone or written in the notebook margins at the hospital as they came to me. How would Billy and I be able to make any progress if we couldn't see our combined list of topics? I remember I felt time pressured. I remember I had this panicky feeling. And I remember I sent a text to Rachel. I looked back in the log of text messages. Sure enough, this is what I had sent. Rachel, we will need newsprint. Go to the office depot off the island in Rio Grande. Thank you. Tomorrow, 2 p.m. Trauma. Don't let it fool you. While one response is to disassociate, another is to go into overdrive. I was in overdrive. The brain is capable of extraordinary things in crisis to get by. As I look back, it's breathtaking to me the level of detail I was focused on. It was so critical to me that Billy and I make progress in our mediation. I remember feeling that our entire future depended on our meeting being successful. There was so much at stake. It was not just getting together for the first time in almost two weeks. And it was not just getting together to talk. We were setting aside time with a professional away from Archer to get together to talk and to make important decisions for our lives. And I remember when you came and you drove up and you got out of your car and you were bringing in your things and we had both all of the decisions that had to have been made in the hospital for Billy and me to carve out uh, three hours. We had said three hours. And I remember you saying, it's okay if we just do like an hour and a half. And I remember being very strident and saying, no, we're doing three hours. <laughs> you know, again, you know, like, you know, Sarge or something. Um, and, and I remember Billy and I both saying, we'll, we'll shower we will put on fresh clothes and we will be ready for this mediation. Now we're not talking about anything. And then when you came in and it was like, where's the newsprint? And I just remember thinking we're, we're sunk. We don't have anything we can write on. And you were 
you were such a, you were so resilient and said, I, I couldn't, I went to where you told me they didn't have any, but I brought this and it was a little tabletop. Right. And, um, and I remember just thinking when you said I went to, you know, the place up in Rio Grande into the office depot thinking, wow, Rachel, she really did a lot for us to do that. I remember having that feeling. Archer's lungs had, had collapsed. He was in really bad shape. It was dangerous at that point to sort of be leaving him at all. But this needed to happen. The personal notes I found in my phone continue as follows. She didn't get the newsprint. I felt my blood shoot hot. Rachel, I asked for newsprint. She nervously told me she went, but that they didn't have any. So she got a tabletop newsprint. Wheeze, I am sorry. I don't really know what to do. I am not really a mediator. And I know you want a transformative mediator. I was struck by her honesty and her directness. You'll be fine, Rachel. You know what to do. We just need someone to hold the space for us. Do lots of reflections. Please help us. She nodded. Thank you, I said quietly, my eyes pleading with her. I pause now, these personal notes. Yes, I remember like it was yesterday. I recall I had this profound awareness of my unawareness, like, Oh my God, come on, Rachel, help us. Please help us. Help Billy. Please help Billy. As if somehow I was going to escape this clutch of trauma because I knew something about trauma. And I had this awareness of irritation that she might not move us along. And then I remember she said it again, very calmly. Louise and Billy, you are in trauma right now. Oh my God, that acknowledgement. I remember this profoundly. And as if Rachel's little voice was a million miles away. I think we all just sat at our little dining room table in silence. This third party person whom I trusted just told us that we were in trauma. It was like an epiphany. And there 
was a little clearing. What I remember so clearly, I remember so many moments. I remember the whole mediation, uh, but I remember you, the way we started, I remember you looking at me and looking at Billy and saying, I'm not sure I'm going to know what I'm doing, but you're in trauma. And I've, I've been told that it's a good thing that you don't make long-term decisions. Are you saying that? And I remember starting at the table, holding your hand and Billy's hand and starting with prayer, which is not the way I would normally mediate, you know, but I remember, you know, I know how deep in faith both of you are. And you were, you may not remember this, but you were literally crawling out of your skin. You were, um, so freaked out and so emotional and so, you know, you were shaking. And Billy, I could see also, was just shaken to his core. I mean, the, the two of you. Uh, and I thought, okay, you know, let's just bring it down to prayer. And we held hands and we asked for God's guidance and protection, and we prayed for Archer. We prayed that we would be wise in figuring out what to do and all of that. And I also remember talking about how much I knew you loved each other, you know, because your family, your family to me um, was just like this unbelievably ideal family you know you had these wonderful five wonderful children and the two of you were so supportive of each other and there was such closeness and so much love and um and fun you know i remember like going to the beach with you guys and having some drinks at sunset and just laughing and carrying on and I could tell, you know, that you were really at odds with each other and were freaked out in your own souls. Yes. I remember starting to say, you know, by saying how much I knew you loved each other and how much I knew you loved your family and how we could, we could do this, you know, we could figure this out together in this, in this time of so much trauma oh it's all coming back to me Rachel that yes and I remember looking at you and saying we Rachel are not going to figure it out Billy and I are going to figure it out <laughs> yes <laughs> I really, we can't take you back to the hospital with us we've got to figure this out well, and you were perfectly right you were perfectly right but I didn't know what else to do here is more of what I found in my phone personal notes Rachel said to me Louise I don't know what to do now I know I know I said 
Hold the space, Rachel. Louise, what should I do? Ask us if we have any requests of each other for how to have this meeting. She gently and clearly asked. Billy, Louise, do you have any requests for how to have this meeting? Billy was frozen, like he wasn't there. Yes, I do, I said. I was still so scared about us. I want to create a philosophical statement of what will ground us. I want to be thoughtful. I don't want to make rash decisions. I want to lay them out and have time to think about them. And I want all of our decisions in writing. We don't have time. We need to sell your building. You won't be returning to work, Billy yelled. The sparks were on. I am not selling my building. That's exactly what I feared. You can't do that to me, Billy. Rachel fumbled. She was nervous. Rachel, reflect us. She looked at Billy. Billy, you don't think you have time and you want to sell Louise's building. And he doesn't think I'll be returning to work, I added in a steely voice. The thought that ran through my head Oh, what courage Rachel has. It ran through my blood. What courage. We don't have time, Louise. Things have changed. Our life has changed. It's over. It's over. Can't you see that? We were in a shit show. All the decisions we needed to make. The first tuition payments were due in August. We had Baltimore Mediation staff and payroll, and we had just formed the new nonprofit and hired six new staff journalists. We had our mortgage and our house bills to pay. Dewey was starting back at college and needed help moving. Dutch was starting school in two weeks, and we had to get him home from camp in Maine. If Billy wasn't going to help with soccer coaching, we needed to tell the school. Could he ask for more time away from deacon duties at church? Who would take care of our dog and our cat? We had all these people who wanted to help us. We needed to provide direction to them. My list was long. And then there were all the medical decisions. The hospital had told us discharge would be in another week, and we needed to decide which rehab facility in Baltimore would be best. And they wanted to put in a tracheotomy and I wanted to do medical research. And how much was all this going to cost? What kind of coverage did we have? How long did it last? How much do we have in savings? There was so much. And then there was Billy saying over and over, we can't do it, Louise. Everything has to change. Don't you get it? Everything has to change. I think it's several times during the mediation that you um, 
mediator Louise just kicked in. I mean, and you were the one taking notes. I wasn't the one um, taking notes. Um, yeah. And you guys did want to make very far future plans. Yeah, Billy wanted to sell my building. Billy wanted to sell your building, and you were wounded to the core about that. Yes. You know, that was your identity. That was something you had worked so hard and built up over so many years. It was who you were. Uh, and, uh, you know, the idea of selling your building was just like, ah, I can't do that. I can't do that. And you wanted Billy to take over Breadwinner. No, you've got to do it. And that was a whole lot of the pain and tension in there, knowing that uh, money was going to just be a massive issue, that this was going to, gonna, um, you know, Archer's care and everything that was going to evolve in Archer's care was going to be massively expensive. And yep. you had to figure it out. Gosh, it was, in fact... I mean, that in, in my memory, money was so huge because we started making the list. And I remember you had you had brought like three markers. I remember just writing them down and then saying, "Okay, this is this is what this is what it looks like." And Billy is like, "We got to sell sell the building because we're not going to be able to pay these medical expenses." I'm like, "But we can't sell the building because that's how I earn my living." I mean, it was just this. And I remember writing. Uh, we and we we still I still have it, Rachel. That you do, yeah. I kept it because I needed the confirmation that Billy was not going to sell what we had out from under me. I mm -hmm. I, I I know Billy, and I he's so good, and he makes good and wise decisions. But I also knew that at the time, you know, everybody was in school in some way, shape, or form, kind mm -hmm. of, while I graduated. Pete had not yet graduated. Um, Dewey would be, so two kids in college, and then tuition, and then Dutch in a parochial school, and the medical expenses, and employees. It was so pressing. All the intellectual commitment and talking in the world was not bringing Billy and me any closer to hearing each other. We were so out of inner balance. It's like we were trying to create a map, but we were honestly so lost, we couldn't find the starting point. Or maybe we really didn't know where we wanted to go. Or was it that we were just so frozen, we couldn't even move to even begin? what we really needed to do. It was like I was almost having an out-of-body experience. I mean, it wasn't really, but it sort of was in that I was aware of my trying really hard to be aware. I was aware of what I would normally be able to do. Talk with Billy, convince Billy, but I was not able I was so ineffective because Billy was so locked down. All he could say over and over was, sell your building, sell your building. And all I could say was, no, I won't. 
We were both so frozen. I was yelling, no, it's where I work. No, it's where our employees work. No, it's closed so the kids can walk there. I'm not selling it. You can't make me. It's closed so I can get home easily. I can get to mass easily. I have client lunches easily. No, you can't sell it. No, it's, 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 it's where Dano lives. No, it has 25 years of files in it. I can't move them. No, it's all we have, Billy. No, 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 no. I was aware of the futility of no and not able to break my pattern. I knew the brain needed breaks and glucose to function well. I knew this. I remember thinking, we should eat. Billy did not want to stop. I'd say something, and all he would say is, next. I knew in high conflict and trauma, the brain is also hijacked. I felt like I didn't recognize Billy. Was I hijacked too? I remember thinking, didn't mediating all these years with people I felt compassion for because they too felt they were losing something important to them as they struggled with divorce, child custody, business breakups, reorganized workplaces, disputed estates. Didn't that give me some kind of an edge? Why couldn't Billy hear me? Why couldn't I articulate myself better? I also knew that trying to talk reason to trauma was a dead end. Working well with trauma is never an intellectual affair. Billy was impenetrable and I was out of control. Why was this happening to us? Why was this happening, Lord? Whatever it was, I knew from my own teaching to scan my body. My heart was racing, and I felt that fire again everywhere. Breathe. Breathe. When was it I have felt this way before? I knew that the unresolved past always rears itself. Always. Every loud outburst or gritty sound of heels digging in, all are related to past unresolved conflict or old unresolved trauma. I knew this. I was aware of manically scanning my life. What basic need of mine was not being met as I went through my whole list? Love and approval? Yes. Safety and security? Yes. Feeling powerful and, and, and in control? Yes. Oh my God. I think I'm going crazy. It's all of that. S settle down. Settle down. I then had this flash. What basic need of Billy's was not being met? Security, control, and just then, Billy, in great frustration, 
snapped. And I don't know what you are thinking firing a nurse. They'll never take good care of Archer if you give them trouble. He was upset. I was furious. Retaliation? Are you kidding me? In a hospital? I explained to him why I had told that nurse not to come back in our room. I told Billy, not so softly, that the nurse had told Archer, your mother might say you'll walk again, but the best thing for you is to look at reality. And there are facilities with beds where people like you can go. Can go and rot and die? I told that nurse, Billy, get out, get out. I told Billy, not on my watch would anyone be allowed to speak to Archer in that way. No, I was not going to stand by and allow that to happen. It was wrong. I told Billy, Billy, that were you in that bed or any of our other children, I would never allow anyone to speak or tear you down like that. It was cruel. It was evil. And something happened in that moment. I felt it. There was this shift like I had my husband back. I knew Billy understood and felt the exact same way. You were both pretty literally out of your heads. I mean, you were just so shaken to the core, both of you. And, um, and you, were, you had no sleep. You were at the hospital like 24 hours a day. Um, doing everything in your power to keep Archer alive, um, which went on and on and on for you for so long. I mean, for so long. Yeah. I remember Rachel turning to both of us and asking, maybe it's a good time to stop. I looked at Billy and he looked at me across the dining room table, both of us leaning in in a sort of big way with our arms stretched out as we were pretty sprawled out on that table. And I don't recall who answered her first. Maybe we did it together. I don't know. But we both said, no, we don't have to stop. I remember saying, it's helpful. And I looked right at Billy and he looked right at me and he echoed, let's continue. It's helpful. Rachel said she wasn't sure what she was supposed to do then. And I said, ask us if we want to create a philosophical statement of our goals. I found a photo of what I call the philosophical statement. It's a mediation device 
I created years ago to teach other mediators to offer to clients, inviting clients to their own conversation created by the clients. I never imagined I would be creating one with Billy. Here it is in my own handwriting with Rachel's markers on the little tabletop newsprint she brought. We called it our wants. Our wants. One. A. Someone with Archer at all times, mom or dad, during crisis, trauma time. One B. All children carry on with their lives and be successful. In parentheses, with necessary modifications. Two. Family to hold together strongly. Stay strong. Be strong. Three. Financial security. Semft income. Help from others. Four. Carry on the work of the book and Orens. Five. LPS and WWS as a unit be as strong as ever. Six, help from others, humility, live being relational. Seven, Baltimore mediation success. Eight, best care for Archer by believers. Nine, not to outsource care for Archer where we are not involved. 10, timeline, now for decision-making. Dutch, book launch, Caring Bridge, Orange Institute, The rest of my personal notes are as follows. Rachel facilitated our four-hour session, allowing us to scream and pace and sit back down and talk and create our goals and fill up four more newsprints full of topics and ideas and to-dos, making decisions, some small, some large, some just to give us a safe container. But what marked that mediation and another session we scheduled was that Rachel knew all our decisions would be our own decisions, amplified, expanded, and more thoughtful because of the mediator's presence, her presence, and constant reflection of our exact language and our ability to write up the ideas then and there and see them and think about them and to have our dear mediator summarize our two steps forward, one step back progress. Gosh, she was brave. After each chunk of our back and forth, 
I'd turn to Rachel and request, can you please do a big reflection in our words, not yours, of what we just said to each other and what we decided? I knew she knew how to do this. She's a tough cookie to withstand that coaching pressure from me. But we were friends at the deepest level. I could see the dedication in her eyes. I could also almost smell the sweat in the room. There were times when I also caught a little whiff of, what was it? Pity? Perhaps. Or perhaps it was just my own pride. Perhaps it was something Rachel knew that I would have to discover in time. I don't know. We were in trauma, still functional, but different versions of ourselves. It was truly daunting. I don't know how anyone in a complex, overwhelming situation can do it without a transformative mediator. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Larry Hoover, my mentor, for opening my eyes so long ago to the mystery of this alternative approach to conflict. Transformative mediation may have been the beginning of saving our marriage. Marriage and family, both were so front and center on all my lists. I realized they were both front and center for Billy too. I really had not known that before we started the mediation. What mattered the most in the entire mediation was our creation of our joint list of goals. And we did that in the midst of quarreling and screaming and pacing and sitting back down again. We would be strong. We had to be strong to keep the wheels on the bus. Everything else seemed perilously flimsy. I was acutely aware that I have five children. Billy and I talked about marriage and if we could commit to not letting this break us. It made me like want to throw up ever thinking that we would not be together. But I remember that being a topic as well, it was not taken for granted. Do you and remember that I, um, I asked, had you touched each other? You know, that, um, and you were both exhausted and you were barely sleeping, you know? And I just, I know both you and Billy are very physical people. And I felt like, you know, if you could connect physically, yes. that that would ease, you know, not 
not end the trauma by any means, but that would give you both a little bit of ease and deepen the deep connection that you already had that was fraying under this tremendous pressure. I, oh, Rachel, I remember that vividly and being so, so grateful because it was so natural and it was really only something that someone like you could have, you know, just inquired about because you know that about us. We knew that, how unitive when we are together, how unitive it is. Honestly, I had not actually taken in that I was in trauma until she named it again. I hadn't. I mean, I had, as you know, intellectually. And from a distance, I could see us and see myself and describe how upside down we were. But I really couldn't feel and take it all in that we were really in it and that there was no escaping it. Yep, sometimes even professional mediators need mediation. It's a real gift when someone stands with you, beside you, in all your messiness, and not in favor of you over another person or another person over you. It is such a gift. And you know something about that space? It also let me see that the rest of the world was not going to stand still or give us any grace for the pause we needed unless we made the space for the pause. The hospital expected decisions and had deadlines. The insurance company expected decisions and had deadlines. Our book publisher expected decisions and had deadlines. Everyone had their systems. We had our lives and now our upside down life. But the world we lived in and that supported us needed us to respond in some way. And our children needed us. And we had bills to pay. I don't know if you remember, but you, um, in the course of the mediations, you, uh, you wept, um, you raged, you um, just, you know, broke down. Uh, and then you would, you know, the strength would flow into you and you would pull it all together and get focused and be more focused than I was. Um, and uh, it was just, um, it was such a journey. And um, I felt blessed, actually, by being part of what was going on with the two of you and Archer and the whole family. The mediation felt like the only pause we had. In that pause, 
we were able to prioritize what had to be decided that week, like Archer's tracheotomy that was pressing on us, and how to communicate with friends. And more important, what anchored us? The well-being of our children, our marriage, quality care for Archer. I felt like I had renewed my wedding vows in some way. The rest, it was put into a larger list, a later list. I knew Archer was still in that hospital bed and that none of this was going away. But we were able to chunk it out in smaller bits together. It helped us. It certainly helped me to see the buckets and to feel some small sense of ground again as together Billy and I picked up the buckets that weren't so full. And something else happened in that mediation too. While Billy was focused on how we are going to pay for everything, I told Billy someone had to be in charge of Archer's care and make sure we had the right people around him. It didn't matter to me which one of us, I said, so long as it was one of us in charge. I asked Billy if he wanted to be in charge of Archer's care or if he wanted me to be. As soon as I said that, I realized I was not completely authentic if I didn't add that I preferred it was I. I said we could try to collaborate, but it might be hard since it was around the clock and we were passing like ships in the night as it was. And as Rachel was our witness, Billy said to me, go ahead, write it on the board. Option, Louise as primary caregiver. Seeing that on the newsprint was stark. I told Billy I was only talking about being in charge while we were in the hospital. He told me that was a given. Oh, well, that was what brought me another huge sense of relief. I didn't know. And I was so grateful. But it was a window on what he was thinking about in the big picture. And I made him promise until we decided more big picture things, he could not sell my building. You know, I don't think he fully committed on that. But he said we'd talk about it later. He then told me, how hard it was for him to see Archer as he was. I was so touched. Isn't it amazing the new things you still learn about your partner? I realized he was rocked to the core by all of this. I couldn't imagine what it must be like to be a dad, seeing one of your sons paralyzed for life. 
know, I know Archer would have died so many times, but for you being there and grabbing doctors and nurses and insisting that they do what they had to do. Um, it, it was, um, it's like a superhuman feat, what, what you did. And I remember thinking, I remember I thought it many times, you know, I, I just have one son. And thinking, could I do, if this happened to Jackson, could I do what Louise is doing? And thinking, you know, I just, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I mean, you were just so devoted and so determined that this was, you were, this boy was going to live and was going to have a life and was going to walk and was going to everything. You know, you just, um, and that, uh, that faith and that connection, and that was also clear to me, even though you and Billy were um, really in pain about each other's ideas about money and what, what would have to happen, um, that you were utterly committed to each other too. You know, it was never a, this is going to break us. You know that it, yeah. You know that this is going to be the hardest thing we've ever done, but we're going to do it. You know, we're going to do it as a family. And all the kids came in and pitched in on uh, on Archer's care. And Archer, Art, you were with Archer twenty four seven, right? Someone from the family was with Archer twenty four seven. Twenty four seven. And needed to be. Yes. Needed to be because the condition was so extreme, and that and that hospital, Atlantic City, that was not as the specialty of theirs, you no, know. It wasn't. That's right. It was That's such right. a scary time. It was, and um, I waffled every once in a while because I felt like my will was was like divine will. Like this mm -hmm. is what I, I I have to do this because this is this is part of God's plan. And then I would waffle like how much of it is my my mother plan which i definitely uh i was all in on god's plan that archer was gonna you know yes. he's gonna live and and then he's gonna walk i believed that archer sempt would walk again life can change can't it one day at a time. In closing, maybe we can all pause a moment and take in a breath for all the families that are feeling hopeless, that just got bad news today or yesterday or last month, and the kind of news that makes them feel upside down and that their lives will never be the same. Maybe you are having one of those days or chapters right now. It is so hard. Lord, please help us to lift each other up. Let us comfort each other. Let us know we can be restored over and over again. Help us live into the dignity of what is 
and not to give up hope for what is possible and to feel the lightness that hope brings to our hearts and to know it's okay that we are sorrowful for what could have been. Help us to take small healing steps that open new gates. Help us to feel that we are never alone. Help us to trust the process of healing and know we don't ever have to be rushed and that we can lay down our burdens and feel your holy presence and hear your guidance in the pauses we intentionally carve out so we can heal. Continue to give us strength to carry on. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is precious. Sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. You may continue listening to the learnings that go with this story at episode 29, Mediation for the Mediator, Trauma Healing Learnings. Thank you for listening, as together we are raising the vibration for healing. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Please subscribe via email on our site, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. For 28 years, Baltimore Mediation has served clients worldwide by facilitating negotiation breakthroughs, believing in their capacity for meaningful face-to-face dialogue. You can learn more at baltimoremediation.com.